Welcome, one and all, to another edition of Yates Sales Kennel Kelp Holistic Healthcare Products and Kennel Kelp Holistic Healing Hour on Spotify. Your host and moderator, me, Grandpa Bill. We're here daily, and in today's episode, we're going to kind of continue where we left off yesterday, and today we're going to be learning about proper techniques. That will help you get the most out of weightlifting, as it applies to my workouts for geriatrics. We talked a little bit about this in yesterday's episodes about ergonomic exercises, workstation breaking from all of the distractions of the day. In our workstations, were applicable applicable if you're in a workstation at home in an environment, etc., etc. We're picking up from that yesterday, and I actually did a radio show here, but I also did an in-studio at Spotify. We got into some free weights and some exercises about movement in continuation of what we've talked about here for a few years now on our super. Seniors, because we are workouts for geriatrics, silver streakers, but workouts for all kids from one to ninety-two. And today, I want to highlight a couple of things: the reps and the sets, how much weight, proper position, breathing, revisited breathing, always and forever, and safety. Safety. We talked about that before. Ours is minimal, but you always want to be safe. And then the incorporation of a day of rest, and then trying to make the assumption of how you're feeling, you know, with a a, a, a program that we talk about a lot, freestyle, within the guys and capabilities for those of us that are, not myself, <laughs> limited in scope and range, in chronology and injuries and so forth. So we'll be here about and then half an hour, thirty minutes. Appreciate joining us, and we're also going to segue, hopefully, on how this ties into distraction in general, and attention span from electronics and all that. So, lots of subjects and 30 minutes to do so. So we'll be right back. We'll pick it up starting out with reps and sets, and we'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Okay, <clears throat> welcome back. Thanks for being there. Let's segue right in as it pertains to the free weights. Yesterday, in the video that I did in Spotify, I revisited talking about weight plates that you put on barbells that you can use individually without the bar. In that example. I think I used two and a half pounds or something like that in my own. Maybe it was five pounds. I do all of them myself. I think in the example, I might have used two five-pound ones. And just revisiting what we've done for those that that follow workouts for geriatrics and my show in general, or shows plural at my three podcasts. However, you come in and you bicker with audiences, where you've come in before. We've talked a lot. About the movement with free weights, but with the weight plates in different denominations of weights, 
lots of times bending to the right, the strut,、uh, the left, reaching over your head, and the positions that correlate, if you will, with what we also talked about ergonomically, without the weights. You know, getting up from your whatever you do, working at home, you're sedentary, you're in a chair for a, a long amount of time. Getting up, bending, stretching, moving, and getting away from the distractions of electronics as much as any of us can. And I talked about the ludicrousy of it. You know, there I am with Bluetooth and on my computers with podcasts and all that. It's the distraction within what you're doing and being exposed to cell phones and all of it. And I'm going to hopefully talk about how that. Also, plays into things like lack of attention span and not being able to multitask. It's challenging because of that. So here, and in the last part of the show, I'll, I'll try to get to that. And if we don't pick it up, we'll finish it tomorrow. Here each and every day. Okay, so reps and sets are easy, pretty much for each exercise in any program. You know, they all, everybody does reps and sets. If you exercise to any degree, or you're a gym rat, or somewhere in between. And obviously, rep is short for repetitions, repetition, or one complete movement, up and down, back and forth, whichever it may be. Bend and stretch, reach for the stars, if you will. It's from Romper Room, by the way. For those of us that are really old, Miss Connie, or whatever. Just a little bit, but completion of a rep means that you return back to the starting position. So, as a set is a certain number of reps. Remember, we go low, we go slow. We talk all about that. I just use the example that, and it doesn't mean anything. I do most things in sets of ten times three. Depending on what to set it in, depending on what's variables, don't you know? Depending on where you are in your mobility, your age, your chronology, your afflictions, your you know whatever, that's what we work within. But it's not just geared to old people. There's certainly things to be gleaned from kids from one to ninety-two. So how much weight is always with free weights is always an issue. Not an issue, but. Play safe. Use enough weight so you can complete the prescribed sets and the reps fairly quickly over time. We talked about that. Go low, go slow. But the last few reps should feel difficult if you're actually trying to body tone, tighten up, and all of that. We're a little tiny bit doing the mixture for those that have lack of mobility for a lot of reasons. And it may take some progression to get there, so don't think that you have to go right to retro rocket reps and all that. Unless, of course, you've designed it with a trainer, your doctor, everything, and the guys of your doctor. Wherever you fall on the physical limitations within each of your own scenarios, so. Positioning in the weight in combination as you do reps, and as you slowly make progress, you should start to feel the last reps 
a little bit more difficulty. That's how you're challenging yourself over time and slow. That gives your muscles the right amount of resistance, which is what we talk about forever. Would be at resistance bands, and we do that, and holding the weights to provide some kind of resistance. That starts making those appropriate muscles and those all, all those incorporated exercises for necks and shoulders and all of that stronger, but not so much that you're going to injure yourself. That's the way. That's the way in tying into ergonomics and all of that. As you make progress, the last rep of the set eventually starts feeling less strenuous. Then you can increase the weight because you're ready to do so. If that's your desire, <clears throat> I've talked all about this. I can pick up a significant amount of weight, but it's my shoulder that kicks out. You have to do it safely. It's not the weight. It's not the weight. It's not the weight. And I'm, you know, I'm not looking to powerhouse a ton of weight, but I try to go up in weight. Now stay with me. When I do curls and all of that, my version of a heavyweight bar with that is maybe 55-ish pounds to about the 80-pound range, depending on the exercise. And I can do 45 pretty easily with my hand problems. You have to play safe within your limitations. We talk about that. And in my video yesterday, <clears throat> by the way, it wasn't showing. Showing off per se, what I was showing off, if you will, is even as painful as my hands are and the flexibility of the disc. You can get enough. You know, I was doing crazy stuff, catching the disc with my eyes closed, right to left. And you guys know, until I get my cataracts fixed, Mr. Magoo can't see if I had my eyes were open. But my eyes were closed. The point is. Because we talk a lot about meditation, breathing, <clears throat> and the other faction of my show later about being able to focus in and visualize what I'm throwing, be it a basketball, a weight, and anyway, check it out. <laughs> But check it out for for what it is to working on that kind of flexibility through pain. Through pain, and in my case, not having good grip in one left hand and all that doesn't it, it, it. You work around what you can and can't do, unique to what your area are, areas or what have you. Ambulatory, non-ambulatory. Talked about that a lot too. But breathing, 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 proper position. So in a standing position, if we're deadlifting or whatever, or jumping around because we did a lot of movement yesterday. You want to keep your feet a little wider, <clears throat> pardon me, than shoulder width. We talk about balancing you planted, you know, on your mat, your foot. I mean, I'm sorry, your floor. But you want to keep your head and neck straight. And many lifting injuries are caused just by twisting the head or the neck or the trunk, and you're counterintuitive inadvertently sometimes. Well, I'm going to really stretch this way with the weight, and. You can really do some spinal twisting and discomfort. Your leverage, if it isn't good, 
you know, you're going to incur muscle injuries if you don't go low and slow. It's a process. Always go through the full range of motion with each exercise. We talk a lot about that. And breathing forever. Inhale at the start of the lift. And you guys know I do it through the lift. And at the end, then I do the same thing with hydration. But with your breath, hold your breath during the most difficult part of the workout. And then exhale as you finish. But low and slow. Breathe in through the nose and the mouth. And don't hold your breath. We talk about pursing and how to breathe properly and deep breathing. And then if you really go crazy in the gym or, or at home, always with safety, always, always with spotter or whatever, you can get into collars and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to necessarily go there unless that's your desire. So you can save time by leaving off collars and the weights can slip off the end and injuries and all that kind of stuff. If you do do it, make sure they're tight. So the weights don't come off your bar. Use proper positions, and definitely, if you are under the guise of a trainer, which I'm not, we don't charge for any of this or any of that kind of stuff. I just do what I've found real good results with for over a decade, and it's still a knockoff on the program that I've been doing Spartacus 2013 for years. And we just improvise, or I do, and you do along with me, hopefully. Don't jerk or twist when lifting, and you know that increases the stress and causes injury to propagate. What we talked about as sitting at a workstation and then trying to work out to overcompensate for it or whatever, and how that blends things. So you always want to get a day of rest. That simple principle is actually called progressive resistance training. Always take a rest day in between weight training sessions. To you know, let the muscles adhere and relax. The 24-hour rest period allows the muscles that we're working on to adapt to the increased load. In weight training, if you do, you know, to whatever your degree of that is, you can easily stress or overload the muscle beyond the demands of whatever it is that you did previously in your series of building up, <clears throat> be it curls, overhead stretches, you know, whatever. So when it's followed by a day of rest period, those muscle and muscles rebuild with greater strength. You'll notice how you feel on the day of your rest if you spend some time noticing those benefits of what you've done. And we go low and slow, milk cartons, all that. We talk about it's not so much that you have to have weights per se and barbells. You'll have more energy, and you'll feel a stronger sense of how good it makes you feel to move and be more active. You're oxygenating your brain, your blood, and you have to get away from the electronics, as as hot as it is, and the ludicrousy of all of it. As we're going to segue in at the next break when we come back, talking about the distractions and how so hard it is to multitask in any society today. But get into a little bit of the whys and wherefores through science as to why that is. So we'll be right back, and we'll phase out with like a ten-minute close. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, and thanks for doing so. Continue to do so. Continue to pay it forward, please. We grow exponentially with your help, and hopefully everybody gleans 
maybe just a little something, and hopefully even more from all of my shows. I appreciate that. So I want to segue out for ten or twelve minutes, and hopefully, kind of network this in as kind of a patchwork quilt, having us kind of think about how this ties all ties in to distraction and why our attention spans are definitely shrinking, and multitasking is getting more difficult. Minds for a multitude of reasons. You know, mercury poisoning and getting clubbed in the head, and collisions, all that kind of crazy stuff. That's okay, but when you start to have attention spans shrink, it's contributory to so much of what we just talked about—the distractions of all the cell phones and Wi-Fi's and all that 5G, which headphones, Bluetooth. Our computers. It's penetrating the body from all angles. We talk a lot about that when we get into the EM of chips and balance and meditation and all of that. But right here, <clears throat> I want to revisit from the scientific and psychological side of why that happens and the documentation. And a couple of shows that are out there that I would highly recommend is about psychology and as it pertains to attention spans, for sure. One that comes right offhand is with Gloria Mark, PhD, YouTube. There's many out there. That's a really good one. You can find that on the World Wide Web for sure. That's with Gloria Mark, PhD, and her whole series within that show with the host. She's a guest host on talking about that whole subject, hosting. There, I'll let you hear for yourself. It's an American Psychology Association. I want you to read it if you're not familiar with it, please. They're they're the PhDs and the practitioners. I'm just the messenger. That's all the conduit. But I practice a lot of what you know I've been able to attain by doing it that way. Also, if you dig deep enough, I want you to think about something. I'm going to take a quick ten-second break, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about the history of. Attention spans and the psychological side, from how it got defined and who was at the helm of that. We'll be right back. Okay, folks, welcome, and let's. Phase this out, and hopefully eight to ten minutes to try to keep this just about at the thirty-minute mark. So I'll expand upon what I'm about to set up right now in our next couple of shows. But the psychological side of the psychology of this process. 
distraction, multitasking, attention spans, mental how, overall mental habits, and what sets great minds apart, literally and figuratively, is through William James, who many pretty much is the founder of this type of philosophy. Attention is indeed the rarest and purest form of generosity. Simon Will wrote that. Decades after that, another cognitive scientist, Alexandra Horowitz, observed in her own works a marvelous injury into our everyday blinders. Quotations: Attention is an intentional, unapologetic discriminator. It asks what is relevant right now and gears us up to notice only that. Far stretch, trying to stay within the moment. So more than a century after, I'm sorry, before that, in his masterworks, *The Principles of Psychology*, Volume One, pioneering psychologist William James. Born January 11th, 1842, and passed on August 26, 1910. All public knowledge on the World Wide Web, which is what I'm reading right now. He examined the interplay of generosity and mercilessness in this greatest of human superpowers, which shapes our basic experience of reality. James offers a wonderfully precise yet alive definition of attention. "Quote: Attention is taking possession of the mind in clear, in vivid form of one out of what seem several simultaneously possible objects or trains of thought. Localization, concentration of consciousness." Of its essence, it implies withdrawal from some things in order to deal effectively with others. It implies withdrawal from some things. All the technology right now <laughs> and moving forward, 5G, really bad for the body. Continuing, it implies withdrawal from some things in order to deal effectively with others. Surrounding work, if that's stations or whatever your demographic and dynamic is, and is it a condition which has a real opposite in the confused, dazed, scattered brain state, which in French is called distraction, and zerstreuthite. Pardon my pronunciation. Z e r s t r e u t h e i t. In German, long before contemporary psychologists came to examine the self-referential base of consciousness, James himself wrote: "Millions of items of the outward order are present in my senses, which never properly enter into my experience. Why? Because they have no interest for me." My experience is what I agree to attend to. Only those items which I notice shape my mind 
without selective interest. Experiences in utter chaos. Interest alone gives access and emphasis, light and shade, background and foreground, intelligible perspective, intelligible perspective. In a word, it varies in every creature, but without it, the consciousness of every creature would be a gray, chaotic, indiscriminateness, impossible. For us even to conceive, it's a notion at once commonplace and utterly radical for us today, somehow mesmerized by the glowing rectangles we carry everywhere, and we seem to have relinquished this most elemental form of agency in shaping our experience of life. There is a strikingly similarity between James's. Vivid description of inattentiveness predicted on the now endangered phenomenon of boredom. It's a fascinating read, and I'm quoting quite a bit of this from the Margellian.org/backslash/WilliamJamesAttention. Great overscope to go back. Or easily understand what the processes are through habitual, be it work, repetitive motion in a environment of all that distraction, constantly. At the same time, penetrating your body really in a bad way. So, however the processes are less automatic, there must be a rapid oscillation of the mind. From one to the next, with no consequent gain of time. When expectant attention is concentrated upon one or two sensations, that the other one is apt to be displaced from consciousness for a moment, to appear subsequent. Although in reality the two may have been contemporaneous events, the act of paying attention. And the way in which it is performed, James argues, is what sets geniuses apart from ordinary people. Sustained attention is the easier, the richer in acquisitions, and the fresher and more original the mind. In such minds, subjects bud and sprout and grow. At every moment, they please by a new consequence and rivet the attention afresh. But an intellect unfurnished with materials, stagnant, unoriginal, will hardly be likely to consider any subject long. A glance exhausts its possibilities of interest. Geniuses are commonly believed to excel other men. You have to remember. You have to remember how long ago this was, and the men don't go there. She can interject women too, but that's how he authored it. Other men in their power and sustained attention, their ideas coruscate. Every subject branches infinitely before their fertile minds, and so for hours they may be wrapped. R-A-P-T. I'm gonna wrap R-A-P-W-R-A-P the show for today. 
please hover on that. You don't have to go too deep unless you care to do so. But it's a fascinating read, and being familiar with it, and many of you may be out there to whatever your degree of familiarity is or isn't. As always, we do food for the mind, the body, and the soul each and every day. Continue to pay it forward. Continue to join us. Glean the good, the bad, and the ugly. Incorporate low and slow. And I'll see you next time around it. Workouts for geriatrics. All my other shows. <laughs> Have a great day. We'll say bye bye for now. And may God bless. Peace, everybody. Thank、you